that certainly threw us uh, award gurus off. I'm here with my fellow editor, Matt Noble. I'm Tom O'Neill from Gold Derby, and we are here with three of the nominees for uh, Best Comedy Series. We are here with Stephanie Robinson, who is uh, executive producer and writer. We are here with uh, Natasha. Help me with your last name. Dimitriou. To me, to you, Dimitriou. Okay, Dimitria, who plays Natasha, of course, and Paul Sims, uh, who is co-showrunner, EP, and writer. Stephanie, let's go to you. Uh, let's let's talk about Emmys for a second here. First of all, your reaction, because it was um, amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, we were really excited, and I was really happy um, that it happened. Like, we, um, we worked so hard on this show, spends a lot of time in... Toronto, Canada, in the freezing cold, uh, often shooting till like four or five a.m. most nights. So I mean, it was a lot of hard work that paid off in such an awesome way. But I mean, such a great feeling. Okay, now this uh, whole business of competing now at the Emmys uh, invites all kinds of vampire jokes, right? All right, so let's go there. Who wants to jump in? First of all. How are you going to take down the Emmy competition? Do you just go after them with wooden stakes or whatever? And how do you go after each other? Because three of you are nominated in the same category for best writing, and two of you are here, Stephanie and Paul. So how are you going to take each other down? I don't know, Tom, but I want to back up to the part about how you said what we do in the shadows threw you guys at goal, uh, threw you guys for a loop, you prognosticators. I know. Why did you have such little faith? Well, it's not uh, that we don't have faith in the show. We don't have faith in the tradition at the Emmys of silly shows getting nominated. That's that's fair. The Emmys are snobs. You know, Modern Family wins. The show that held the record for the most Emmys ever was two brothers arguing about opera and vintage wine, right? Uh, Frank. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the Emmys. And all of a sudden you got this vampire thing going on. And it's so <laughs> And one of the writers who wrote for Frasier, uh, Sam Johnson, is one of our writers also, who's also nominated for a script. So, you know, there's a, we're, we're a long part of Emmy tradition. Yeah. We, we, we um, sprinkled in some tossed salad and scrambled egg. Yeah. I've got a, a vampire joke. Why couldn't Dracula's wife sleep? Why? Yeah. Because of his coffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know that's that's the kind of joke you would never hear on Frasier. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just the people pleasing, fun, silliness. <laughs> okay. Just what I don't want you guys to do as part of your Emmy drive, literally, is I don't want you killing any Emmy voters and immortal because they repeat every year, every year, the voters. And the last thing we want is the Dick Van Dyke show still winning best comedy show in 10 years or 20 years. <laughs> I mean, you've got to have you know strategy here to win. Now that you guys are in there, what are you gonna do to win this thing? I, I, my, my strategy is not, a, it, it, when it comes to best uh, writing is to admit that Stephanie's episode was better, I think. <laughs> It's a very sweet thing of you to I say. Mean, no, look, I, I, I love all those episodes, but there was something about the Jackie Daytona episode that, that really uh, sticks out in people's minds. And, and even, uh, look, I won't say it's better. I'll say uh, just it had that ineffable, that magical something extra. Oh, very sweet. Very well said. What you and were telling me. Now, Stephanie, you say why mine was better. 
Well, you're <laughs> fart jokes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, well, talk you, about you these would, episodes you're nominated yeah. for, because in Stephanie's case, it's on the run. That's the one you wrote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wrote on the run. Um, that episode. I mean, it's such a blast and it's, it's, I'm so happy that it was nominated because it was sort of a crazy shoot that we were able to put together. Um, and Mark Hamill was amazing, but as not to parrot Paul too much, um, I love so much of those episodes or so many of the episodes and I, all of them. And the fact that three of them are nominated is pretty, I mean, what a shock that was just sort of the gravy on top of the show being nominated as a comedy was that three of our episodes, uh, were nominated in the writing category. And I do, Love both of those episodes, Paul's episodes and Sam Johnson and Chris Marcel's. Marcel, how am I saying that? Am I saying that right, Paul? The real way to say it is Marcel, but I, for some reason, 10 years ago, decided to start saying Marcel, and now it oh, seems to have spread. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of my favorite episodes, too. So the fact, I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that the three of them were nominated. And in fact, when I was reading the nominations, I thought that there was a mistake. Or when I was told that the three of them were nominated in the writing category, I was like, well, those are the three that we submitted. They, that seems like it's not right. <laughs> it's like a misprint, but it was true. And like seeing it in print and on the actual nominations in the category, it was like, geez, we, we did it. The, the last thing I, I, I would want to do is complain about our bounty of nominations. But <laughs> no thing, one's asking you to complain. <laughs> the one thing I do wish is I wish that the Emmys had a best ensemble actor category like the SAG Awards do, because I think the strongest part of our show is the acting ensemble. And I think probably the fact that they're all so strong fought against each other as far as the actors getting nominations, um, because they're the best. Okay, okay. Natasha, there you go. <laughs> that's that's you up, Natasha. Go, go. I was just saying, it's very hard for me to those three episodes that have been nominated personally, and I'm this isn't just blowing smoke. They were all my like favorite moments of filming. So doing Paul's one was like it was one of the first ones we shot, and I got to play against myself, and the doll was introduced, and it was just like mind blowing. And being so horrible and throwaway to Gregor was heaven. <laughs> and getting to be have a scene with uh, Mark Proctor, who plays Colin Robinson, and have him come on to me was honestly a, my life highlight. Like it was <laughs> incredible. And then obviously Sam and Chris's episode was just like so fun and took us out of the house. And I got to, you know, be do loads of stuff with Matt. So yeah, it was. Um, they are. They are honestly. They're so so good. And it's just so lovely because you do sometimes go, Am I am I just have I got just like the I know I've got a very filthy sense of humor. <laughs> but do am I like am I on my own here? Like I swear this show is funny. Like I swear when I'm watching everyone else, not you know, like everyone else, I'm like, I swear it's really good. I swear these are some of like the funniest people I've worked with. So then to get it recognized, I just want to thank the Academy for our Oscars. <laughs> Why did the vampire need mouthwash? Why? Why? He had bat breath. Oh. <laughs> hey, Matt, look at on here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say, look out, uh, look out, uh, Nadia. You could join. Uh, oh, sorry, Natasha. You could join the writers' room, maybe, and get a fourth <laughs> nomination for, for best <laughs> writing next season. Yeah. <laughs> 
the writers the writers have too much responsibility, especially these guys, because they produce as well and they have to deal with all of us being psychopaths far away from home. And no, 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 no. There's so much more than writers. So no, no. But, that, but, but those jokes do remind me of a story that we've always talked about where the vampires find a, a book yeah, of vampire jokes and they're yeah. very, very offended by it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. There's so, there's so many. There's so many on the internet. Why do why do vampires not like Taylor Swift? Why? Why? She has bad blood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling up a, a a question from our uh, viewers here to Paul and Stephanie. Which character is the most challenging to come up with for gags and plotline? Natasha. No, I don't know. <laughs> I think. I mean, probably if you if I had to think about it for long enough, I think it might be Colin Robinson. Wouldn't you say, Paul? I would say I would say I would say maybe Colin Robinson only because initially it was so easy to come up with the the joke that he annoys and bores people, and then after two seasons now we're like it can't just be that. And so especially in season two we started to give him more dimensions, and in season three he'll have even more. But it's it's the fact that the jokes originally were so easy that we sort of realized oh we could very easily get caught in a rut here. Um, but but the other but everyone there's I, I mean I was up late last night writing a script for season three and everyone has something that's fun about it. Natasha as you said is as she herself said is fun in a a filthy filthy <laughs> way I mean one of the fun things that, about Natasha's character is if you get, so often if you have a show that's guy like the main characters are four guys and a woman the woman's role is like hey come on you guys hey cut it out. <laughs> Be normal. And Natasha is insaner than all the rest of them, which makes it fun. And then Matt has his big booming voice, and it's fun to write super British, British-sounding stuff that, um, <laughs> that Matt makes even more British or corrects. And um, Guillermo's uh, sort of uh, sweet subtlety and Nandor's. I don't know. Nandor's larger than life and his his warrior heritage. They're they're each it's it's funny you, you when you're writing it's it's just feels with each character it feels fun like how are they going to do this particular how are they going to say this particular line i think it's also really important to to point out and i'm not sure how true this is on other sets and other productions but i think the thing that ultimately really helps the writing at least in terms of paul and i because we are we are there producing the show as well is just getting to know the actors and i think that after two seasons of really getting to know Natasha, Kayvan, Matt, Colin. They're the same person as person. And Guillermo Harvey. Um, it's I mean, getting to know everybody's people, they feel like is is super helpful because, you know, as Natasha pointed out, she's got a very particular sense of humor, as does all every single actor on the show. So it does become a fun little game where you are friends with each other. And so when you are writing for each other, you are writing to make each other laugh. And in a way that feels like a broadcast inside joke by the time that you're actually watching it on air, which I think makes a lot of those moments feel funnier than originally anticipated. Uh, Natasha, since you're being uh, addressed here, uh, so also by a question from our, our viewers here, what's your absolute favorite thing about playing Nadia? And before, Nadia, and before you answer that, a, quest, a comment previous to this uh, described your character as charming. Would you say it's charming? My character? Yeah, is Nadia uh, 
it depends who's calling her charming. I think it's <laughs> quite a strange person to think she's charming, but if that's what you're looking for, then yeah, sure. You know, it's a free world. Um, <laughs> I would say my favorite thing about playing Nadia, I mean, there's so many things, but like what Paul was saying, it's so fun. You know, I, I think, I think the industry's changed so much even in the past like five years. So I think this is less and less common, but it, you know, previous to that playing, a, playing a female character was quite often sort of, you know, she's so clever. She's so wise. She's, she's really strong because she tells all these guys why they're, why they're, they're doing dumb stuff. And you're like, yeah, but that just turns out someone being like, guys, go to bed. And then <laughs> ruins the scene because she's such a killjoy. So to be able to be as mad and stupid um, as everyone else. And I, I feel what's so funny is this show is so silly but I feel so seriously about silly comedy. I think it's so important and so funny and it's just true escapism. So to be part of a show that is literally like, how can we make this scene funny? How can we make this moment funny? Every little thing, you know, there's other stuff going on. There's, you know, sweet moments, but it is just, how can this be funny? And there's just a lot of people working very hard to make everything as stupid as possible. <laughs> it's like a heavenly job. And I don't think there is that much of that out there, you know, at the moment. So for me, it's absolute. I couldn't think of a show out there now that I would rather be part of. And how do you guys decide uh, where the story's going? Do you just decide backwards from, all right, we want this character to get impaled. And now <laughs> let's set that up. Sometimes, I mean, some of our stories do start with with a key moment or a scene that we want to get to. But other than that, we use, it's it, you know, it, we, it's a pretty traditional structure, and, and and we talk about it. The writers we talk about it and work out the stories a lot early on, and I think that helps because there's a lot of improvisation on the set. But as long as you have a strong story and a strong spine, and 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 all the characters know what they wanted each scene, that gives them the freedom then to go wildly off book, but still still be telling the story that we want to tell. You know, if you if you know what your character wants, then that gives you the freedom to to really go crazy with the dialogue, I think, without it turning into just chaos and a hodgepodge of, you know, random things. Stephanie, do you have any thought to add? No, I, think, I mean, that was perfectly well said. I think that we, <laughs> we, we, we care about the story. You're competing against this guy at the Emmys. Be a little tougher on him, okay? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like, you know, it, we do really lean into the story, as Paul said, and that is ultimately the most important thing for the reasons he just outlined. I feel like uh, you can't go as crazy and as funny as you want to go if there isn't a strong spine. But that being said, uh, we do, I think, really lean into just moments or visuals that we think would be funny. And I think um, we often reference or talk about referencing a lot of, you know, the, the vampire representation in media beforehand. And we pull a lot from that. And for instance, the um, episode that we wrote for the ending, the finale, the See the vampire theater pulling that specifically from, you know, interview with the vampire and lifting that and paying homage to it. So there's little things that I think that we talk about in, in terms of, not in terms of story specifically, but we do talk about like, okay, what visually or cinematically can we pull from um, the representations beforehand? And even if it's not from a representation that already exists or a movie or a show or anything like that involving vampires, I think we do often talk a lot about, you know, what is something funny 
for Natasha to do? Or like, what's a, what's a funny, I don't know, set piece or location that we can have the vampires in and try to work backwards and find a story that way? The, the, the Sam and Chris episode started with the idea, well, Matt does music and wouldn't it be great if, if Natasha and Matt did some music stuff together? Mm -hmm. you know, that was just the kernel of the idea. And then we built the story around that and, um, and it was fun. <laughs> uh, our Matt uh, Noble here, Matt, let's give these guys a little perspective on where they stand at the Emmys, because this is one of the reasons we are so intrigued by, and a very serious note about your nomination for comedy series. To win best series at the Emmys, this gets a little nerdy out with awards trivia, but I think you need to know this. You generally need to win uh, corresponding nominations in like, casting and uh, either one of the sound editing or sound mixing categories, or let's say, you know, camera editing itself. You have all three. <laughs> really, and this, and so this is fascinating to us. And three, and three nominations for writing in the comedies, you actually have the support nominations that we, that the uh, award nerds really look to, to win. And what makes this even more intriguing, this top race you're in, is that you're up against two competitors, two strong competitors, Maisel and Schitt's Creek. So you're up against a divided uh, uh, race here. And I'm not predicting you to win, but I see that there actually is a path for it to happen. Matt, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, as you said, like you got Shits Creek and Maisel sort of could split some votes. And, um, and I think the fact that you got at least one writing nomination, uh, you got three, uh, but uh, typically a show needs a writing or directing nomination to be able to win uh, Best Series because uh, as far as I'm aware, the last show that was able to do that on the drama or comedy side was Friends, uh, which was quite some time ago now. And Friends took a long time to win an uh, Emmy for Best Show, didn't it? Wow, you yeah. know that. Yes, I believe it was the eighth nomination or eighth year. Wow. Eight, eight, eighth season, yeah. Yeah, eighth season. That was such a shame because I feel like it really started, that's when Joey started not being able to speak like proper English. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the secret to the success. You know? Yeah. You never know. Matt, do you have yeah. a question for these folks? Uh, we're talking about the like uh, taking the uh, silliness uh, seriously, on, uh, sort of on the show, and how having silly comedy. Is serious. What's what's the silliest thing you guys have gotten to do on the show? God, that, that's like that. Is, it would be so hard to narrow it down. Yeah. I, I do think I for for me, and I'm thinking in terms of my episode, of course. Um, <laughs> I I think the just absurdity of um, Nadja trying to have a seance, have a serious seance, and have it be interrupted by all the vampires accusing Guillermo of having parted, and that <laughs> breaks it up, uh, is really absurd. I mean, it could happen, I guess. I suppose it's real, but <laughs> it, was, it was such a plot point, and there was such a long chunk of the episode based on such a juvenile vulgar thing uh really amused me and also a lot of work went into that we got we had to find a college professor who was a scholar of ancient greek to help us translate the ancient greek incantation she was doing because we wanted to make sure that was completely accurate you know in that episode also Kayvon speaks farsi and so we had to have him sort of translate all the words so there's a lot of you know 
we're talking to college professors about a scene that involves someone making a joke about a breakfast burrito not sitting well. <laughs> See, well a lot of work going into some really, really stupid stuff, and it just makes it way more beautiful to me. I feel like, I mean, for me, the thing that I really love about working on the show is the silliness, as you guys are pointing out, but I think the thing that is harder to do and more satisfying ultimately at the end is when we do write silly jokes that our characters take completely seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's so much of the show. And I think this is why the show feels as great as it does because, you know, the stakes at times can be silly or comical, but to our characters, it's a matter of life and death. And I'm thinking specifically of like Laszlo's vulva topiaries, for instance, like it's such a ridiculous premise, but Laszlo takes these hedges and these topiaries so seriously. And the idea of any of them getting ruined or messed mess with is like a life or death situation for him. And, and I feel like there's so many moments in the show that I can speak to that. But I mean, that to me is the, the hard, Part, but again, as I said, the most satisfying part because when we are able to pull it off, it just, I mean, it's its the thing that makes the world feel fuller. And not that's, in, that's also in, a great example because in that script, when Josh Levy wrote that script, turned in the first draft, he said, Laszlo is making sculpting topiaries that look like vulvas. And I read it and I'm like, oh, we're never going to be able to do that, but I'll leave it in for now. And then the art department got it and suddenly they had mock-ups. I'm like, I guess we're doing this, but FX is going to say no at some point. And then they're like, it looks good as long as you don't show this or that. And then suddenly we're surrounded by vulvatopiaries. In, in a very cynical world, these are very earnest characters. Mm. Yes. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And that's what gives that we don't have, we've lost so much tradition and you know ceremony in our sort of more secular world. So this speaks to many, many things that we're lacking in society. <laughs> uh, oh, some viewer comments here. Uh, the dedication to silliness is genuinely inspiring. And I, I would add to that, it, you know, as fans of TV, all of us of TV comedy, that when a sh when the show has the confidence to become utterly silly, to go like you know. Green Acres or, or Beverly Hillbilly silly and go over the top. Uh, it, it works. It can turn you into a, a literally a cult classic like this one is. But uh, also, if it misses, you miss by a mile, and it could be catastrophic uh, if you miss. If we had missed, we, we would not be on the air. I mean, if we had missed, it would have been very obvious in the first season. But I'm glad you mentioned Green Acres because I love that show, and that's a show that started with a very simple premise: city man moves to the country and then got sillier and sillier and more absurd in a way that felt like it was really creating its own world. And I uh, loved it and uh, I saluted. <laughs> I love also how uh, today Natasha was really showing her range by being in the, uh, showing us her in the sunlight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is not her but, character. She is a different yeah. person. <laughs> it's so weird when we're filming because you know we filmed for so many days at night and then there was one day at the end of series one where we were filming in a set piece in a well but it didn't matter whether I think because it had to actually have daylight because they exposed the sun and it was honestly the first time I'd seen like the actual color of Matt's eyes <laughs> <laughs> like what a, 
oh, your costume's purple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like by the end of it all, because we are working just overnights constantly, become vampire ourselves. I feel like all of us just like genuinely start turning green, like just this yeah. weird, like olive undertone, like just so sick and disgusting. <laughs> you need to get some vitamin D, guys. Do you have any like? If, if it was a show about just like really, really happy, healthy people that happen to like work at night, it would not work. Vampire <laughs> <laughs> element, it's very, I mean, it's annoyingly works very well, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, some COVID questions here. Let's go there. Uh, Paul, you're talking about writing the next episode. Where are you in the production cycle for season three? Uh, how has a, a COVID impacted the show so far or, or perhaps not and what about moving ahead well we have i mean we were just starting to edit uh the season that you've already seen when the quarantine and everything started so we had to figure out how to do everything remotely which was a scramble but uh, but i we did it and then we've been you know via zoom and everything remotely writing uh the season three and now it's just we're having conversations about when is the right time and the safe time to be able to start up again. I mean, there are <clears throat> there are a lot of challenges there. I think there are a few more challenges on this show than most shows because we have so much hair, makeup, stunts, and all that stuff. But, you know, FX has been working on figuring out the safety protocols and everything, and we're just trying to figure out where we can go again and be safe. But we don't know yet. You know? Okay. Soon. I hope the last question here. Got to wrap up, Matt. What do you? What's oh, your... me? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can ask the last question. Um, when the show uh, wraps up, whenever the show finishes, who's going to get uh, to take home the hat? <laughs> I, my bet would be my bet would be Stephanie because Stephanie, even in the background, has a beautiful Nandor painting. I forgot yeah. to take anything, and Stephanie has a is hoarding all the good props. Yeah, he's <laughs> he was asked. That's the thing. At the end of at the end of the season, I just go department to department and ask what they don't need, and I take a look and I do a little shopping trip. How did you even get that from Toronto to Los Angeles? Um, it was sent. Oh. 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 You know that I totally misunderstood your question. I thought you were saying at the end of the when someone wins, if someone wins, if the show wins best comedy, who gets the hat? And <laughs> some sort of Emmy hat that you get. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you win an Emmy, they give you a hat. And like, you get Emmy, yeah. Emmy winner. You don't want this yeah, gold yeah. statue. You want a hat. <laughs> Laszlo's cursed hat. Who's going to get Laszlo? <laughs> That was, I, I actually, that is actually a prop I would not want because it is so realistic and gross and creepy looking. And there, I think there are a few versions of it. There's a wearable version, but there's also a sort of slightly animatronic version that can, where the flesh can move on its own. And it's, I don't want it in my house. There's yeah, lots of lots of hairs and like. Just I think it is alive. I think it is a little bit alive. Like there's there's like. I swear I've seen the costume department like rub lotions into it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you guys, um, you guys don't write anything for those episodes. It is actually cursed, and just whatever happens. Yeah. happens exactly. yeah. so I, the, the prop everybody wants is the Naja, the Naja doll. But that oh, is yeah. that is creepy. Yeah, a high tech piece of equipment that takes a team of two or three people to operate. Um, and it's very expensive, but at some point, someone's got to end up with it. So it's going to be between. I'm, me and the building, 
I'm, I'm currently working on building a couple of rooms so the two guys that operate it can come and <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on that note, let's wrap yeah. up. Thank you very much for chatting with us and good luck at the- Yeah, and great. Yeah. Award nuts like me and Matt and the Gold Derby users, uh, look over all these uh, uh, nominees and we're, we admire this great TV. TV uh, that's being nominated and that's in the running, but there's something special about Dados and there's something cool that the Emmy voters appreciate it, went there, did it eight times and put you in the top race of all. Congratulations. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.